We're concluding our month, and, and um, I preached last week on, on how, how Jesus had this revelation that when he was filled with the Holy Spirit and he came out of the wilderness, that he had this revelation that he was sent by God to serve. He was sent by God to serve people, to serve communities, to serve nations. And, and every single person in this room is sent to serve. Amen. You all have a calling and an assignment upon your life to serve people in your workplace, to serve people in your family, and to serve people in your world. Amen? Amen. Is that good? Yeah. Come on. So there is an anointing upon everyone's life to serve. And Jesus says, if you want to be the greatest in the kingdom, you have to be the greatest servant. And so this is, it's really important to God. And so I want to preach on today what God gives you to serve. Because God gives you something. He gives you a few things, a few weapons, a few utensils, a few tools. He gives you stuff to serve so that you're not going around getting burnt out, tired, stressed, anxious. There should be no burnt out believers. Amen. Why? Amen. Because God fills you to serve. He fills you up. Amen. So turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. I'm reminded of your sincere faith. So this is the Apostle Paul, right? And he's talking to Timothy, his spiritual son. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois. Yep. And in your mother Eunice. And I'm persuaded now lives in you also. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame. That means to awaken. That means to stir up. That's your job. Yeah? yeah? That's your job. God doesn't fan it into flame. You fan the gift into flame. He gives you the gift, but it's your job to stir it up. Come on. Thank you, Lord. Fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. So impartation is biblical. Amen? Amen. We need impartation. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid. Stop there. Paul is writing to Timothy. Timothy, like all of us, has a huge assignment and calling upon his life. He's pastoring in the church in Ephesus. And, uh, and he's called to bring change and transformation in that city, not only within the church, but it's meant to flow out, out of the four walls, into the city of Ephesus. Paul is writing to Timothy because he sees Timothy struggling with a few things. And, uh, and Paul was a master. He was a master at serving God and changing and transforming culture. Paul was a master at serving with influence. If you look in Acts chapter 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, he brought revival to six or seven cities. That is incredible. To Lystra, Derby, Antioch, to Athens, Corinth, Ephesus. Wherever Paul went, he brought revival. Wherever he went, he released the kingdom of God. Wherever Paul went, when he was serving God, he was serving people, there was influence, there was change. Who knows that the church, you are called to influence your world. Amen. You are called to serve God and serve people and serve with great influence. Amen. Come on. Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, Jesus says, you are the light of the world. You are. Not, not just the person next to you, not the anointed preacher, not the people who you see are giving great words from God on Facebook. No, 
You're the light of the world, God says. I've chosen you. I've chosen you to carry my light, the revelation of Jesus Christ. No one takes a light, takes a lamp, puts it on a lampstand and covers it up. And that's what happens with a lot of believers. This is what was happening with Timothy. He, he, was, he was on a lampstand, the light of the world, but he's covered up. Paul says you're meant to let your light, Jesus says, sorry, you're meant to let your light shine before men so that they'll see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. That means Jesus Christ, the kingdom of God within you, is meant to flow out of you in such a way that it brings influence into your workplace, into your community, into your family. The, the, last thing, the last time I checked, when you switch a light on in a room, darkness doesn't have a choice. It's not like darkness tries to stay and to cling on. There's no battle there. There's no battle. And we're called to be the light of the world. The church is called to influence. You're called to influence in your workplace. When you let your light shine, the kingdom of darkness has to get out. See, it's a clash of kingdoms, Jesus says. The kingdom of God and the kingdom of evil. The kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. And we're called to carry the light into our workplaces, into our families, we're called to serve God in a mighty calling and assignment. You have an incredible assignment and purpose upon your life, like Timothy, and we're called to do that with influence. And there's many believers, and hear my heart, but many people, and we walk around, and culture is influencing us rather than us influencing culture. And see, God will plant us in seasons. He will plant us in places to be the influencers and not the influencees. To be the people who go into those places and, and make a change in people's lives, who bring the kingdom. And instead of the kingdom of this world getting into us, it's the kingdom of God flowing out of us in great influence. Amen? God's done that in my own life. He's planted me in seasons to make an influence and make a change. Maybe, see, I believe some people talk to God and say, well, God, move me on from here. I don't like this job anymore. I don't want to do this. Well, maybe he's waiting for you to make an influence and make a change. And then he says, awesome, I'm going to upgrade you. Come on. Come on. There's a bit of an attitude shift. You have Jesus Christ living in you, the light of the world. How awesome is that? So the Apostle Paul sees this going on in Timothy's life, right? And so he says to Timothy, God hasn't given you a spirit of timidity. He hasn't given you that. That timidity is fear, intimidation. It means being caused to shrink back. You've ever felt like that? I've felt like that. Yeah, I've felt like that where I've been in places. I've known I should have spoken out for God or, or I should be serving in this way or I should step out in this way. But it's that feeling of, I can't do it. It's that feeling of shrinking back. This is what Timothy is going through. Paul says, that isn't from God. Well, if it's not from God, then where's it from? It's from the world. It's the spirit of the world. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4 says that the devil is the God of this age and he blinds the minds of unbelievers so they can't see the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In other words, the devil has a level of authority and power in the world system, right? Jesus Christ is the king of heaven and earth. He owns the earth. But in the world system, there is a spirit that the devil sends out that causes believers to shrink back. That's what we come up against. That's why whenever the church speaks up, the whole of society isn't happy about it. 
Because it's a spiritual thing when the church speaks up. The devil wants to keep the church silent. He wants to keep you silent. But we're called to shine. Amen? You're called to shine. Come on. Come on. So this same spirit was coming up against Timothy. It comes up against us today, trying to cause us to shrink back. But how amazing is God that he gives us something to overcome it? That's why I love God so much. Because he never leaves us empty-handed. He equips us. And Paul realized this from his own experience. Paul faced that same thing in every city he went to. But he learned that God gave him something. Are you ready? I'm going I'm to rip through these three things. And then we're going to pray at the end. And Holy Spirit's going to touch some people's lives today. He already has. So in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, it says, God hasn't given you the spirit of timidity but he's given you the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit doesn't cause us to shrink back does he Holy Spirit gives us power he gives us love and he gives us a sound mind come on Holy Spirit gives you power he gives you love and he gives you a sound mind to serve him with great influence, to make an impact and a change. For those who feel powerless today, that's just a feeling. Take authority over that. You're not powerless. Holy Spirit gives you power. So I'm going to go through these three things and what they do in our lives. Number one is power. This is God's ability, his life and his strength flowing through you. That's the power of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19, verse 17 says that you are, yes, you are the temple of Holy Spirit. And we sit here and we think, oh, great. Yep, awesome. Okay. You are the temple of Holy Spirit. I, I, I preach on this, but often people's reaction is down here. I don't know about you, but it gets me really excited. If you only knew what God placed inside of you, if you only knew how Holy Spirit fills you and He lives inside of you. Think about this. The same God in the Old Testament, the same God who performs all those miracles, healings, delivers a whole nation of Israel, He decided to come and fill you and to live inside of you. And we walk around every day thinking, well, I don't have much to give today. I'm tired. I can't be bothered today. Ephesians chapter 1, the Apostle Paul says, I pray the eyes of your heart will be enlightened, that you would know the incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same power that God exerted when he raised Jesus from the dead. Think about that. There is no greater power than power that raises someone from the dead. And God says, I've placed that in you. Holy Spirit gives you that power. Holy Spirit lives within you. He moves through you. All you need to do is to say, okay, God, I agree with that. And I'm going to step out in faith and serve you today. I'm going to let the light of God shine through me today. It might be a little bit scary when that spirit comes up against me. I feel like shrinking back. 
But you know what? I've got the creator of the heavens and the earth living inside of me today. And I'm going to do something about it. So this power gives us two things. I want to show you in the Apostle Paul's life what it did for him, okay? So if you've got your Bible, turn to Acts chapter 18, verse 9. This is Paul in Corinth. And he's been preaching the Word of God. He's been serving God in his assignment and his calling. Whenever you're serving God in your anointing, in your assignment and in your calling, expect pushback. Yeah. It's okay. A little bit of a battle is all right. Probably means you're doing the right thing. Amen? And in Acts chapter 18, verse 9, Paul, he's feeling discouraged. He's feeling like, God, I'm not having an influence. And Jesus comes to him. One night, the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision. Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent. Don't be silent. Don't be silent. Please, please, please don't be silent. For I'm with you and no one is going to attack you or harm you because I have many people in this city. So Paul stayed in Corinth for a year and a half teaching them the Word of God. The first thing that God's power gives us is He gives us power to speak. He releases courage and boldness in your life to speak God's Word. He releases courage and boldness within you to speak out when you don't feel like it. To serve God when you can't be bothered in your feelings. He gives you courage and boldness to say, this is what God says. I'm an ambassador of Christ, and so I'm going to speak the Word of God today. Yeah. Now, see, there, there is nothing that the enemy likes more than a silent believer. Yeah. Yeah. There is something about your voice that speaks out into the darkness yeah. and brings light in a city. Yeah. And that's why in all the issues, you know, I was speaking to people this, this week, and they had a different view than I did, and that's okay. But it was about abortion. And all these certain issues, abortion, use your imagination, things like this. The enemy wants to plant in people's minds these opinions, these views, so they can speak out against you and so that you will shrink back. And this is what is happening to Paul. And it's our job as believers is to rise up, say, Holy Spirit, I have your power I have your ability within me and I'm going to speak your word today. I'm not going to be silent anymore. There are too many silent believers. You've been quiet for too long. It's time to step up. It's time to speak what God is telling you to speak and what you know rather than walking around thinking this issue, this issue, this issue, but I'll just stay quiet about it. The second thing he gives us is power to deliver people. Power to deliver people. Who, me? Yes, you. I've never done it before. That's okay. He gives you power to deliver people. In Acts chapter 19, verse 11, Paul is in Ephesus and it says, God did extraordinary miracles through Paul. So that even, listen to this. This is amazing. So that even handkerchiefs, what do you use a handkerchief for? Even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick. 
And their illnesses were cured and evil spirits left them. This birthed a whole revival in that city. And if you read on in that scripture, it tore down the spirit of witchcraft in that city. There was up to millions and millions of dollars of books, of spell books that were burned because of that. Because people saw the power of Holy Spirit going through Paul. Come on. That's for you today. That's for you. Imagine in your workplace, if you stepped out for God and someone got healed. Imagine that. And people saw that. Imagine what it would do in people's lives. Imagine if you saw that person who was stuck in discouragement and depression and you said, you know what? I see that you're struggling here. Let me pray for you. Imagine if you did that and something happened. I'm challenging a few people today. It's time to serve God with influence. Yes, yes, we serve God and we can love Him, but we can serve Him and there's a lack of influence there. Holy Spirit wants to bring great influence to your life. He wants to move through you in power. So we have power to deliver. The calling upon your life, it's the same calling, just a different expression as to Jesus, which is to destroy the works of the enemy. If you look out into the community, if you look out of the four walls here, it's not hard to see where the enemy's moving. It's not hard to see where people are oppressed. It's not hard to see where hell is being made manifest on the earth. And it's your job as a son or daughter of God to go out and bring the light of the world into that situation. Come on. It's your job as a son or daughter of God to pick up the sword of the Spirit, to realise that you have the power of God living in you and to go and make a change, to go and speak the Word of God, to rise up and to begin to share your faith with some people, to rise up and say, God, I don't want to serve you in this area. I don't, I don't feel like serving you in this area, but you know what? You've called me here. You've called me with an assignment. You've placed an anointing upon my life. And so I'm going to do it. Come on. I remember I was praying God, I was praying to God for opportunities. It was, the, it was the cry of my heart in the middle of this year. I was, I was just thinking, God, you know, there's so much change that I want to see. There's so much change I want to see in my workplace and in people's lives. There needs to be more. I need to see more of your kingdom in my life. That has to be the cry of our heart, to see more of God's kingdom. You don't see enough of God in your life. You don't. You don't see enough of God. We need to see more. And I was crying out to God, praying for opportunities. And I remember this young girl, I saw her and, uh, and she was a, a student who I worked with. And day after day after day, I just kept thinking, man, there's got to be an opportunity here because she is severely oppressed. And I remember thinking, God, just, just give me that one opportunity. I'm struggling to step out in faith here. And do you know what the amazing thing is? God answers your prayer. <laughs> so if you pray that, be ready because he'll answer your prayer. And I remember I was, I was talking to her one day and she brought up all these issues. I, I knew, I'm like, I'm, I was like, oh yeah, I didn't know that. I, I knew it, but I was just too scared to step out and do it. And so she, she brought up all these things and I said to her, you know what? I believe Jesus can set you free from that. Let me pray for you. And if I'm being honest with you, 
it wasn't really a, a, what I would call a faith-filled, power-filled prayer that I would do here in church. It was more of a, Jesus, set this person free from anxiety. Amen. It was really simple. But you know what happened? The next day she comes to me, her face is beaming and she says, last night was the first sleep I had over eight hours in three years. This is from a young 14-year-old girl. She didn't sleep, uh, sorry, so she hadn't had a sleep for over eight hours in, in two, three years because of trauma that happened to her in the past. How incredible is that? And I want to encourage every single person today, it doesn't take much. It really doesn't. It doesn't take much to serve God and be an influence. It doesn't take much to move in the power of God. Jesus says, little faith, mustard seed faith can move a mountain. And I see many people here with mustard seed faith in you. Come on. Are you ready? Yeah? Are you ready to go out this week? Come on. Are you ready to put it into practice? Yeah? Come on. So he gives us power to speak and power to deliver. The second thing, Paul says to Timothy, don't shrink back. Holy Spirit gives you something to stop doing that. He gives you something to serve with influence. He gives you power and now he gives you his love. He gives you power and now he gives you his love. 1 John chapter 4, verse 16 says that God is love. Whoever lives in God, whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. In other words, love is a big deal to God. If God is love and we're living in God, then love has to flow through us and manifest through us to other people and to those around us. I believe, I firmly believe that God brings influence, that, he, he, that God sees people and he says, I want, you to, I want you to go and love on that person. And the love that you give them will open gateways and doors that will never be opened unless you loved on them and moved through love. Love carries an influence that something, anything else can't carry. It does. Love with no agenda. God's type of love. The love of Jesus, where you're a self for other person. I like being a self for other person. It means that I stop worrying about my own problems and issues throughout the day. It means I start getting my eyes off myself and I begin to realise what God's doing, that, that I'm not the centre of the world. Jesus is the centre of the world. Come on. And He moves to us in love. Amen. Galatians 5 verse 6. The Apostle Paul says, I believe maybe he learnt this the hard way if you look at his life before he got born again. But he says that all that counts now is faith expressing itself through love. That's a big statement. That's huge, is it not? In other words, your faith in God is meant to only express love to the world around you. God is teaching every single person in this room to become love. He's teaching every single person to get his heart for the world around him, to get his heart for your friends, for your family, for your school, for your university. He's teaching you to walk in love. Holy Spirit, come and fill us with your love right now. Every area of our hearts, Lord, 
so that we would begin to become love like you, Jesus, in a community. So that people would see that the church doesn't have an agenda, that the church isn't out to get anyone, but we're here to love and to serve people. Amen? So how, does this, how do we see this in Paul's life? This is awesome. In Acts chapter 16, verse 27, this is the passage where Paul gets whipped and beaten and bruised, Paul and Silas. They've got all big, big whip marks down their backs. They get put in prison all for serving God, all for trying to serve people and love on people, right? Yeah. And they're in prison and they begin singing praises to God. They begin worshipping God. The jailers are listening. And we know the story. It's incredible. God sends an earthquake, a supernatural earthquake. And the all the prison jail, the, the doors flung straight open, chains fall off them. An incredible miracle. But listen to this. In Acts chapter 16, verse 27, the jailer woke up. And when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. So the reason he was doing that is because he knew that those above him would kill him if they found out he let the prisoners go, right? So he's about to kill himself. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We are all here. Don't harm yourself. We are all here. So Holy Spirit gives you his love to serve people. He gives you his love to serve the unlovable. He gives you his love to become unoffendable. Think about that. Paul had just been whipped and beaten and bruised and he gets thrown into jail by this bloke who I'm sure doesn't offer him any food or water. Just get in there, stuck in the inner cell and then the doors pop open. God, that's an incredible miracle. Let's get out of here. Come on. Every single person in this room would be like that. I'm getting out of this city. I'm running for my life. That, that's, see, love makes you a self for other person. Paul wasn't offended or bitter. In fact, he stayed there. Think about this. All the prisoners in there, why were they in there? Use your imagination. But Paul and Silas had to make sure that none of them left as well. Imagine that, trying to keep the prisoners, people who probably weren't very good people, in that jail. Because Paul knew if they left, that the jailer would be killed. And what did he have? He had a heart of love and he wanted to see this jailer saved. He wanted to see this jailer encounter God. And this is why love is so powerful because love enables us to go throughout our day and be unoffended, be not bitter towards people, not complaining. When people are angry towards you, when people aren't serving you, when, people are, when, you, when your boss isn't having a great day or your spouse isn't having a great day, love makes you unoffendable so that you can serve people. We need a heart of love so that people can see the light of Jesus shining through us, that when someone steals from you or, or when someone rubs you up the wrong way or when all this injustice happens in your life like it did to Paul, we move in love. Come on, that is a powerful testimony. Amen? The second thing, God gives us love to see. In Acts chapter 17, verse 16, Paul was looking at the city and he saw 
that it was full of idols and he was greatly distressed. He saw it. He saw that the city was full of idols and he was greatly distressed. God gives us his love. Holy Spirit empowers us to love so that we can see the people who are oppressed around us so that we won't go throughout our day and see all the people that are are stuck in sickness, are stuck in debt, are stuck in poverty, are stuck in sin and walk by and think, well, someone else can do something about that. Holy Spirit gives us his love so that we see people. So you see what people are going through. If, if, if someone doesn't know Jesus, I can guarantee you they need Jesus. And they may act like they're having a great life. They may act like they're having a good time. But internally, their world is in chaos. God, Holy Spirit gives you love to see that. He gives you eyes of love. Come on. And the third thing is He gives you love to empower people. Holy Spirit gives us love to empower people. As we serve God, He fills us with His love so that we would empower those around us. Paul comes to Derby in Acts chapter 16, verse 1. There was a disciple named Timothy, whose mother was Jewish and a believer, but whose father was a Greek. And the believers there spoke well of him. Paul wanted to take Timothy along the journey. In other words, Paul is full of God's love and he sees the calling and the assignment upon Timothy's life and he says, all right, you know what? I'm not just called to go and serve people and then go home and have a great day myself. I'm actually called to empower people. See, love empowers people. Paul began to disciple Timothy. Paul Paul saw that there was a calling, an assignment and a purpose on Timothy's life that Timothy didn't even know himself. And so it's the job of love flowing through us to call out the gold in people's lives. Come on. It's the job of love to turn you into an encourager so that you will be the refreshing well of life as you go throughout your day. Come on. I've been, you know, I was talking to someone during the week and they said, Dean, why are you so encouraging? And I said to them, well, you know, you know what? How much have you been encouraged today? They say, well, not very much. How much have you been torn down today? Well, a lot. Well, that's why I'm so encouraging. You know why? Because it's the heart of God to bring His love and encouragement and favour into people's life, to begin to call out the gold in your workplace rather than highlighting people's problems, rather than saying, well, this person's, yeah, they got this problem, this problem, this problem. It doesn't take a profit to see the problems. It takes a profit to, to, it takes the eyes of love, it takes the eyes of God to see the gold into people's lives and begin to call it out. Because they can't see it themselves. You walk throughout the day, and I can guarantee you, if you focus on this, if you say, I'm going to be the one who empowers and encourages people today. I'm going to be that person who lifts people up. I can guarantee you, you will have great influence in your workplace. I can guarantee you, if you just focus on that, God will promote you. Like Joseph, Joseph learned to love in the pit. He loved just as well in the pit as he did in the palace. And that's the challenge of God upon our lives. Will, will you love when you're in the pit? Will you love people just as well and serve people just as well in the, when you feel like you're in the pit as compared to when you're in the palace? And God often doesn't promote us to the palace 
until he sees us loving and serving him well in the pit. People need someone who see the best in them. And I know this is a really simple word, but it's so incredibly important. The culture in our world, the culture in Australia is to tear people down with humour. And people need you to be that one who sees God in their life. That when, you're, when your friends are, are stuck in addictive lifestyles, when there's people in your family stuck in depression and hopelessness, they need you to be the one who begins to call out the gold. Who begins to say, you know what, you've got this, this and this in your life, but I see that God has a great plan for your life. I see God has a great purpose in your life. I see, I see that Jesus has created you. He loves you and he wants to fill you. He wants a relationship with you. And I see that God, he's going to completely transform you. It's not that difficult to say that. But people need the encouragement. People need you to empower them with God's love. And this is what the Apostle Paul was a master at. Amen? So he gives us love to serve, love to see, and love to empower. And the third thing, for the Spirit of God doesn't make us timid. Don't shrink back. You don't need to shrink back. Because he gives you his Holy Spirit who what? Gives you a sound mind. Hmm. Holy Spirit gives you a sound mind. You get to walk throughout your days, throughout your weeks, with a sound mind. That comes from the Greek word sophronismos. I love this because it's really simple. I know the word sounds complicated, but... It literally means God's perceptions and thoughts. That's amazing, don't you think? That we get to walk around with God's perceptions and thoughts about our life, about those around us, about our world. You, you have the ability to perceive and to think like God. It is cool. It's incredible. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 says, Who knows that no one knows the. the the thoughts and the mind of man, except the spirit of, man, of the man that is in him. So no one knows the thoughts of God, but the spirit of God. And then it goes on to say, but you have the spirit of God. You have the mind of Christ. In other words, God, what are you saying? You, you have his thoughts. You have his mind. So the issue isn't, am I hearing from God? The issue is, do I have enough faith? It is, am I believing that this is God? The issue isn't, is God speaking to me? The issue is, am I listening by faith? Am I willing to take a chance and to step out that this is God? So we see in Paul's life, in Acts chapter 14, verse 8, he sees a man who was lame. He'd been that way from birth and the man had never walked. Paul, he, this man listened to Paul as he was speaking Paul looked directly at him, saw that he had faith to be healed. So Paul saw something. He, he had a thought. He had a perception from God. 
And Paul called out to the man, stand up on your feet. At that, the man jumped up and began to walk. One thought, one little thought from God, and Paul says, I'm going to grab that. One little thought from God while Paul is speaking to people and he grabs that thought and he releases that thought and all of a sudden, a man who was lame begins to walk. Come on, does that not give you faith to act on the thoughts that God gives you more? Hello, come on, stay with me for this last five minutes. We're almost done. Does that not give you faith to think, okay, God, is, is this a thought from you? Isn't it? I don't know, but I'm going to step out and do it and we'll see. Come on, I'm just going to take a risk. You never know. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Listen to this. Sometimes you will never know if it's a thought from God until you step out on that thought. And so many people, they think, well, God doesn't speak to me, but it's because they're never stepping out and taking a risk. That's why Holy Spirit's called the comforter. Because when you step out, when you're serving God, He calls you to be uncomfortable. And so the Holy Spirit comes and comforts you. And I say this all the time, but people are like, well, Holy Spirit, I'm not feeling very comforted. Well, it's probably because you're stuck in your own comfort zone. And you've got to get out of your own comfort zone to serve God. You've got to get out of your own comfort zone to make an influence in people's lives. Come on. So these thoughts, God gives us his thoughts and his perceptions to bring hope to people's lives. Oh, how the world needs hope. We carry Jesus Christ, the living hope within us. And we need to release hope into people's lives. So God gives us thoughts throughout the day to release and to bring hope to those around you. To bring hope to your family to your friend who's going through that struggling situation. See, Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 says that faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. In other words, when you release a thought of God, it births hope into people's lives. What comes next? Faith. Come on. See, there's so many people who are stuck in hopelessness in our world who look at our world and say, well, you know what? It's hopeless. The church can look at our world and say, well, look where the devil's moving. Look what the enemy's doing. No, no, no. It's not the job of the church to see what the devil's doing and begin to confess it. It's your job. It's the job of the church to see what God is doing and to release the thoughts of God into the world. Come on. In Ezekiel 37... The Lord comes to Ezekiel, picks him up in a vision and shows him a whole valley of dry bones. God's thought, God's perceptions. How does God speak to you? He speaks to you upon the vehicle of your imagination. Your imagination is the tool for God to speak. It's not something stupid or inadequate. Your imagination is the highway for Holy Spirit to speak to you. He gives you impressions, thoughts, pictures, Dreams, you've got to be asleep to have dreams, so probably not now or during the day, unless you have a nap. He gives you dreams, words. He speaks to you upon the vehicle of your imagination. That's why Jesus tells us to have childlike faith because children are brave enough to use their imaginations. 
Children are brave enough to think, okay, if God speaks to me upon my imagination and I get that thought, then it must be God. And the prophet Ezekiel, God takes him up in a vision and he shows him the valley of dry bones. And he says, son of man, can these bones live? He's saying that to you today. It's the question that the world poses to the church. It's the question that we can often pose to God. Son of man, can these bones live? I don't know. Ezekiel says, I don't know. Only you know, Lord. And what does God say to him? You prophesy to those bones. Son of man, you speak to those dry bones. Hear the word of the Lord. Speak to them. Tell them to come alive. Come on. It's time for you to get the thoughts of God and begin to speak to the dry bones in your world. Yeah, yeah. It's time for you to speak into your workplace. It's time for you to speak into your family. It's time for you to speak into your community, to begin to prophesy the Word of the Lord, to begin to prophesy hope, to begin to prophesy revival, to begin to prophesy that the enemy's stronghold in this city is over. Come on. Come on. Begin to prophesy. And as Ezekiel did that, the bones came together. So there's a process, isn't there? It doesn't happen straight away. You don't do it a week and then think, well, this isn't working, I'm just going to stop. Sometimes when your friend or your family member or someone in your, in your workplace, businesses who are going down the drain and you're serving there, you're called to be a light there, you begin to prophesy over that business. You begin to bless it. And sometimes it doesn't happen straight away. There was a process here for Ezekiel. But Ezekiel, the dry bones come together and then God says, okay, they're together, but they're not living yet, right? They're together, but they're not alive. So now you prophesy breath. Now you declare the breath of God into them. And as he did that, as he declared the breath of God, every single thing came to life. I want to tell you today that it's your job to declare the breath of God into those who don't know God. It's your job to declare the breath of God into your community, into your world. It's your job to declare hope. See, this prophecy was about the nation of Israel who was stuck in exile. They felt cut off from God, oppressed by the enemy. And there are many people in our world who are like that. Many people who are oppressed by the enemy. And it's our job to prophesy and to speak hope into their life. Come on. It's our job to fan the flame and to say, I'm going to serve with influence. I'm going to be an influencer. I'm going to be the one who stands up. I'm going to be the one who declares the word of the Lord into people's lives, who encourages, the one who brings hope. And the second thing is God gives us his thoughts to be problem solvers. Every single person in here, you are a problem solver. You're not born to create problems, you're born to solve problems. <laughs> in Acts chapter 19, verse 9, Paul, he's being persecuted and he's preaching the word of God. And so he doesn't keep doing it. He gets a thought and perception of God. And it says, Paul left this place in Ephesus 
And he took the disciples with him and had discussions daily in the lecture hall of Tyrannus. He went on for two years. So he followed the thought of God. He had a problem in his life, wasn't having much influence. Let's move. Let's go to a different location. This went on for two years as he was preaching the word of God so that every Jew and Greek who lived in the province of Asia, that's a big province, a big place, they all heard the word of the Lord. In other words, it wasn't getting through before, but Paul gets a thought from God that solves his problem. He acts on that thought and it break, revival breaks out in the whole city. That's incredible. Come on, what if you had a problem right now and instead of thinking, I can't do anything here. Instead of being fearful and anxious, you thought, hang on, I get God's thoughts. Holy Spirit gives me his thoughts to serve him, to serve other people. He's going to give me a thought that's going to solve my problem. You're called to be a problem solver. Nehemiah, Nehemiah, he gets one thought from God to rebuild a wall and it restores a whole nation. One little thought. One little thought. It doesn't take much. One little thought from God as you're walking throughout your day and it can completely bring change and transformation into someone else's life. We had, I had a, a lady the other day. A delivery person came in and I knew that God was setting her up. And she comes in and the first thought I had when I saw her was ask her about her daughter. And I thought, well, that seems a very simple thought. Is that God or not? But I had faith in that thought. And this lady, she comes in, does a little thing. She's about to leave and I go and have a chat to her. And I say, what's going on? Do you have a daughter? She says, yes. What's going on in your daughter's life? God spoke to me and highlighted your daughter. And, uh, and, and, uh, and she said that her daughter was suffering with anxiety, 20 years old. Um, the whole family believed in Jesus, but the daughter didn't. And so I began to prophesy into her daughter's life. I said, you know what, what's her name? God has a great plan and a purpose for her. Let's stand in faith for your daughter. He, he's going to move in her life. I believe she's creative. She's got a gift upon her life and God's got her. He's going to do something. Don't be discouraged. One little thought and, and see that woman walks away and you know what she can think well did that do anything or not? But see I believe that when you sow a thought, when you act on the thoughts of God it begins to create a shift in people's lives where it solves problems. This woman had a problem and that births hope in her life. That births hope that God is doing something and that this problem is going to be solved. Think about it. One little thought from God that Holy Spirit gives us can solve a big, big problem in our lives and in other people's lives. He speaks to you upon the vehicle of your imagination. It's your job to step out and to say, okay, God, I'm believing that this is you. Joseph, Daniel, perfect examples of that. Men who just believed, you know what? God gives me his thoughts and perceptions and they began to influence cities and nations. So I want to encourage every single person today, 
Don't shrink back this week. God hasn't called you to shrink back. He's called you to go from glory to glory, from faith to faith. Amen. So if I'm shrinking back, it means something's coming up against my life. And I've got to focus on what Holy Spirit's doing rather than what the devil's doing. I've got to focus on Holy Spirit throughout my day rather than the problems of my day. God's called you to be the light of the world. He's called you to shine. He's called you to serve Him in your purpose, in your gifting, in your assignment. He's called you to have influence in people's lives. He's called you to be the one to make a change and to make a difference. You're a living encounter. You're the deliverer. Think about this. In the Old Testament, they would wait on God to deliver. In the New Testament, we're ambassadors of Christ and we're called to act on what Jesus has already done and to be the deliverer. Come on. Amen. Holy Spirit gives us power. He gives you love and He gives you His thoughts to serve Him this week. Power, love and His thoughts. When I feel like shrinking back, Holy Spirit, no, thank you, I have your power. Thank you that I have your love. Thank you that I have your thoughts. When I feel tired and I, and I feel like I should step out for God here, or I feel like I should be serving God here, but I'm not. No, hang on, Holy Spirit, you give me your power, you give me your love, and you give me your thoughts. Amen? So why don't you stand with me as I pray for you? Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are the spirit of wisdom and revelation. And so we ask right now, breathe upon our hearts. Breathe upon every person's heart right now, Holy Spirit. Show them who they are. Show them all that you've done for them right now, Holy Spirit. Jesus, Jesus, show us the work of the cross. Show us how we live in your victory right now, Jesus. I release faith into people's hearts to hear from God. I, really, I speak faith into your heart. I say that you're a conqueror. I decree that you're a deliverer. I decree that you're the one who God has chosen to bring change and transformation and influence into your workplace, into your family. You're the one God has chosen to deliver people. And so Holy Spirit, show us your power. Show us your love and show us your thoughts right now. Just bring visions to people right now, Father. Show people who you are, Holy Spirit. You are the revealer. You reveal the works of Jesus. You reveal who the Son is. And I decree over every person right now where fear and intimidation has come up against your life, where you feel like you want to serve God, but it's all too hard. It's all too hard to step out for God. I decree over you that you are filled with the fire of Holy Spirit today. I decree that you are walking by faith and not your feelings. I decree that God has filled you with His presence today, that you are full of life. And I command those lies to come out right now in the name of Jesus. We thank you for your victory, Holy Spirit. We thank you 
for your incredible, tender love in our life that you lead us this week in your victory.